it seems weird to be doing this show about this team on this day. Because it feels to me like they can't be done with their offseason moves. Welcome back to a Colorado Avalanche hockey podcast called Burgundy Radio. And if this is your first time listening, hi there. You're joining at an interesting time. I'm Steph, and I'm joined again by Earl. Hey, Earl. Hello, friends. And by Jackie. Hey, Jackie. Happy Colorado Day, everyone. And we've just got, like, a smorgasbord of crap to go through here today. Um, Some of it is really good, and there's a lot of questions. <laughs> so let's just kind of dive right into it after... Um, weeks of sniping in public, the Avs and Gabe Landeskog kind of arrived where everyone thought they were going to arrive in the beginning. So, well, I don't know what the point of all that was. Uh, Seven million a year, eight years for Landeskog. It'll be uh, four years of a no-movement clause, and after that there's a 12-team no-trade list for the rest of the contract. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> After seeing what else the Avs have done, boy, if they had lost Landy. <laughs> I'm sure they would have signed somebody, maybe, but geez, it, uh, like, thank goodness this one got done. It, it seemed like, and it was funny, I was actually maybe on the more optimistic side of the spectrum on this one. It just seemed like it made too much sense for both parties to just stick it out, figure something out. But when feelings are hurt and emotions and egos involved, you never know. So uh, I hope they learn their lesson. They absolutely can't play this kind of game of chicken with McKinnon, who will have a lot more options and a lot more money that they're going to have to dole out. But we'll cross that bridge when we come. Um, you look at the contract thinking that he only got a raise to $7 million per year. That's really not that much considering he was at a little bit over 5.5. It's just the, uh, the eight years is the big part of this. And we know that this is the first time since the cap era started, the Avs have gone eight years on a contract. And clearly they were pretty reluctant. But it was just that one last concession at the 11th hour that did it. So I'm I'm glad that they did and, and this contract happened. Yeah, if you weren't awake and online, uh, this contract got dropped by Elliot Friedman with about 25 minutes left before the deadline. <laughs> so, And that eight-year deadline seemed to be like a blessing because it gave them an actual deadline, but before the free agency throw the door open deadline so it it made that eight years like once they offered it landy knew that he couldn't like wait till the morning or wait till the next day nothing like he had to take it right then and there i was also pretty optimistic about this i i really i really wasn't worried that it wouldn't get done um like we mentioned a little bit in the last show the psychology of negotiations pretty much dictate that this was going to go to the last minute. Um, and just because it was so important for the abs to, to save as much cap as possible. And, you know, I, I know they probably would have rather not given the eighth year or, or maybe even the seventh year, but you know, that that's what it took to get done. I, I, I always felt that, sort of McFarlane was going to be the bad cop and, and be the tough negotiator. And, and then 
perhaps Sackett comes in at the last moment and says, okay, you know, what, whatever it is right now, let's hit it and get it done. And that's, that's basically what happened. Um, I, I just feel really bad for everybody that just had a terrible month because of this. Because <clears throat> it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks that the sniping in the press and, and you know, people wondering like, oh, is he going to leave? You know, what are we going to do? I mean, it, it, you know, it did play with the people's emotions out in Avalanche fandom. Um, and, and that's tough. And it just, you know, I, I realize that's not the Avs' intention to do that to the fans, but uh, you know, to get the best deal, the best thing for the team over the long term, they they had to do it this way. Pretty much came down to Landy making that decision. That's like I think I even said it in the last podcast is he's the one that had a lot to lose. Like the Avs and the fans and everything are have the attachment to him, but like this is his team. You saw on Instagram all the guys that congratulated him like right away too is like all of Kadri and Berkey and McKinnon and you know like all the quote unquote top guys. And EJ like, with that cursed Photoshop. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's important to all the got these guys to keep him here and, and be the leader of this team and it's just that that's a lot for him to walk away from too because he's not going to be that guy on another team course he'd be important because he'd be getting paid a lot but you know you just you don't have the same dynamic and that's that's a lot for somebody to give up so i think once the abs finally gave him something else then that was enough to show that they appreciated him because he kind of mentioned that a little bit like he almost felt like i don't know not a priority whatever it was it's they made him feel better, and it happened. So, eight years could become a problem. We'll see, but it it was the right call. You had to get a guy like that signed and deal with it later. Yeah, I think we're probably going to yeah. be united on this one that this deal had to happen. Yeah. No objections. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now, with with that very clearly stated, that this deal had to happen, and we're glad it happened. Uh, eight years is the the back end of this contract is gonna hurt. Very probably. And like I said, like seven million really isn't that bad. Like, cause in in the last podcast we were talking about, oh my god, could it go over eight? You know, is he asking for nine or ten? Like, that's starting to get silly. But seven feels pretty <laughs> comfortable for him. It's it's just the eight years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that that Gabe's the kind of guy, and I've I've mentioned this before i i think if his hands do you know drop off um you know he's still going to be able to add a lot to a team um you know it's it's not going to be great paying seven million for for perhaps a, a third liner that that's that's not putting up the points he once did but um you know i'm not a huge fan of intangibles but this is a case where he has a lot of intangibles yeah, I mean, basically, we're playing paying EJ six million dollars. You know, it's it's not not even that. That's a lot expensive. of intangibles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not very many tangibles there. <laughs> just, just hopefully they can get four or five, maybe six good years out of him, and then if he's kind of sunsetting it like EJ by the end, it's manageable at least. Definitely, and and of course, this is a player who, as as we know, has modeled a lot of his game after Joe Pavelski. And, uh, and the way that Pavelski plays had kept him effective for well into his mid-30s. 
Yeah. So um, barring you know injury catastrophes and just, just and by that I don't mean like a big career ender that could happen to anybody. I mean like Landeskog tends to play a little bit heavier, plays in the grindier areas, and those little cuts all add up over time. But like if he can continue to be a player who has the you know incredible deflections, who brings all those non tangible aspects of his game, like that can. Those two things can carry you well into your 30s. We've seen it. Yeah. And good and defense, too. Definitely. Yeah, and it's it, it's not a case where this is a player that's got a game based on high mobility or, you know, something that it, only a young... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a, a younger guy can only do. Um, And yeah, not to foreshadow badly, but... You know, that's something you might worry about for a long deal with uh, McKinnon. Um, I I've, we're, I know we're probably not going down that road here, but I just think that whole McKinnon thing is not as easy of a decision as maybe it's been painted or an easy of a process. I mean, I think it's I, I, as much as I hate to consider it, it. From the Avs standpoint, it pretty much has to go exactly like this. Go down to the, you know, June 30th of his last contract year, two years from now. I disagree with that. Like, you can survive. They could have survived having Landy leave. They cannot survive McKinnon. Yeah, but I'm just saying to to get the best deal. And I, I think to get the best deal, they kind of need to do that. I don't think they can... Just say, well, you know, three extra million a year is fine with Nate. Um, if he walks, that's so many. Like, just look at all the stupid assets Seth Jones brought in. Yeah, We're talking about McKinnon. Like, if you had to trade him, we're not just talking about a few draft picks. Like, you'd get major, real NHL players and picks. I mean, don't get me wrong. And... I don't think they're not going to sign him. I'm just saying it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be early. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that when you're talking about signing guys like this and, and <clears throat> you know, Landis Gog, McKinnon, I mean, even Miko's dragged on way longer than it, than it should have. I mean, it just, when you're signing guys that are really good, if you're the signee, you've, you know, you you need to get it as low as possible before hitting the button, and that's well, well, that's not assume, your first deal way early. People just assume he McKinnon's getting the blank check. So then, if you're getting the blank check, you're not you're not really negotiating. You're just saying, please sign it, <laughs> and <laughs> that's probably not the truth either. Right. I I think they have to, as a franchise, have pretty much need an answer by next summer like they already know they're gonna pay him a ton like if we're talking if they're comfortable with 12 million or whatever and and you're not willing to pay that next summer that's what they got from gabe last summer you know they're like hey you know you want to be here sure i want to be here think we can get something done sure you know and then you go through the season and don't talk about it and then you go through a month like this that you know is extremely trying on everyone's patience I just don't think it's really in the same universe. I mean, you're talking about a $7 million player versus McKinnon could command 12, 13 million. I don't know if the Avs are going to give him that much, but that's a lot different caliber player. If they haven't really made it past the second round, what if they even have a disappointing year? One of these next two years, 
I think he has a lot fewer ties than Landeskog does. He doesn't have the captaincy, the whole he's the leader of the group and everything. Like McKinnon wants to win. And if they're not markedly closer, just don't assume that you're just going to play this game of chicken with him and and bring it to the finish line at the last minute. McKinnon really needs to be extended as soon as you can do it. They need so just, to, they really need to get it now? summer. Yeah, they need it. I'm not saying it needs to be done July 1st, but before training camp, I mean, all a lot of the top guns, they sign a year ahead. Like it's, it would be a bit unusual to leave him dangling like that. And if you're willing to pay him all this money, then why not do it early? Why not get it done early and be sure and, and move forward? Like, the, that's not a negotiation that nickel and diming is going to work with, really. Even if you do yeah. it a year ahead or 10 minutes ahead, you're really not going to <laughs> accomplish much nickel and diming McKinnon. And a lot, yeah. of, a lot of, of what McKinnon's next contract will look like will be informed by what the next several years of the cap is going to look like. And we don't know. Maybe in a year we'll have a different idea. Um, but when, when you're talking $12 million, you're talking Connor McDavid money. who makes He makes 12.5, but he signed that in 2018 when it was a little bit more of the cap percentage. So and I think I think if the cap goes up, it can only go up a million. Like it's pretty much known. Yeah, it's it's not like if they have a great year, it's going to go up five million or anything. Like, yeah, pretty much know where it. It won't escalate a whole lot. Um, but with, with McKinnon, when you're talking like a similar, like a, if if you signed a Connor McDavid deal in the current cap climate, it'd be some. It wouldn't be a whole lot higher than twelve five. Right, it, it'd be like thirteen, thirteen two, something like that. It hasn't and honestly, inflated a I lot. don't. I don't think he's going to get paid that much, but I. I the abs are in a tough position. They pretty much need to be willing to. I mean, I, I think ownership is fine with paying Nate as much as it takes. I mean, it, <clears throat> again, I, I just, I, I think that this, it, it could end up getting weird. I don't think, I don't think Nate's going to leave or anything like that, but I just, I don't think it's going to be, you know, <clears throat> a great thing that we got him signed a year early kind of thing. I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm not sure it gets done that way, but that's not something we have to worry about right now. Thank goodness for that. No, we do have plenty yeah. of things to worry about though. Um, <laughs> and we're going to, and we're going to get to most of them. Maybe not all of them, <laughs> most of them. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the story on Gabe Landeskog and it took, just there there were literally 20 minutes left when when this got announced so yeah Hope, hopefully everybody stocked up on their antacids and uh made it through okay <laughs> shortly before um this happened the avs got an extension done with kale mccarr um he will be making a nine million dollar annual value for the next six seasons um that takes away i think it was one ufa year is that right yeah yeah so cool this this one was much easier um and it it could have really dragged on into camp and been a nightmare so well done to everybody getting this one out of the way 
Yeah, it was a really nice surprise. And you're right, it could have definitely turned into a Miko thing, which at the end of the day, the player is signed. Like, I, I was never worried about anything like that or offer sheet. I mean, it's such a silly threat. Plus, the abs would match it no matter what. Offer sheets um, are fake. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was nice. You know, we kept hearing reports they want to get Makar done early. And it's like, well, <laughs> You know, uh, assuming that you can get an RFA done before all of your UFA and free agency and all that business is, uh, that definitely takes an outlook, let's just say. <laughs> but, you know, it worked. And I, I guess. Well, I mean, he was the big ticket item of, of the offseason. So sure, I but... understand why they thought that's what they needed to do first. And I'm sure in the discussions that they felt like it, it would progress. But like I said, we saw how the Miko thing went. Like if if you had waited your entire off season and then that started happening, then you're just left with nothing. But especially with the defense the abs are left with. But we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, it's not like they did much else. But um and it, also, for, I totally get cost certainty. Like that—that's a lot of my argument sometimes. But come on, you knew Macar uh, was going to be around nine million, and surprise, he was nine million. Like for planning and budget purposes, you what you thought was going to happen happened. Like the only thing that would have really taken it way out of range would have been an offer sheet so that it matched like twelve million or something. Okay, but. It's kind of like, oh boy, now we know the Macar number. <laughs> it's like, well, you you already had it, but sure. well, I mean, a lot of people thought that that he was going to command ten million plus, which I didn't, just because you know, first of all, uh, players are never players are never signed to as much as we think they they will be. Um, well, he also didn't. And sign also, the defensemen for some reason are just weird. Um, well, he also didn't sign for eight years. I think it was reported that if they were talking bridge, they were still talking like eight million. And if he had gone eight years, it would have been in the ten million. So that, that would have bought more UFA. Yeah. Right, exactly. So <clears throat> the comparison that we've seen all week long has been to Zach Wierenski, who just signed eight years for nine point five plus some change. Um for also for six seasons, but the difference there is how much of that is into Wierenski's UFA years. Yeah, because he yeah. already had the bridge deal. I think it was only three. I think maybe only had three RFA years left or something like that. But, um, so yeah, either I know a lot of people were hoping that McCarr would sign for eight. Like six is what he, you had to at least get one UFA year. I believe that's what Miko's was was the rest of his yeah. RFA plus one UFA year. So um, you, just at minimum, you, you have to get that. And maybe he's not a guy that walks. Maybe he's a guy. Because McCarr kind of does his own thing. Like, he's not so much into the what everyone else is doing. Like, it was also nice that he didn't have to have every single other young RFA defenseman sign before he did. Just so you're not leaving money on the table. Like, if it was something he was clearly comfortable with, and it's a very abs type contract, and so it works. 
works for now. And six years is nice. It's good that we don't have to do a bridge and talk about it in two or three years. And we know that he's made the commitment. I think that's important too. And I just think the structure is funny. Like no signing bonus. He just has one $1 million signing bonus at the end of it. I would be like, (laughs) I'm signing a big contract. You know, give me a signing bonus now because he does not get paid until the season starts. <laughs> if you have no signing bonus, you don't you don't get money like today. I'd be like, hell, if I'm signing this contract, at least give me some, give me a signing bonus this year. But and give me some cash now so that I can move into a new place. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so it's just so funny to see it one 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 million dollar signing bonus at the end, and. and <laughs> The Avs never do any of the the crazy shenanigans or the signing bonus or where it varies from year to year greatly. And you think, well, they hate term and they hate AAV, so wouldn't that be a way to sweeten the pot? But it seems like they don't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> like with Landy's was pretty straight up, too. And it's like they're fighting for weeks over this. I mean, couldn't you just say, geez, we'll give signing bonus or something but <laughs> well, hey whatever kale's annual value does change a reasonable amount though like it's it starts off you know eight and nine a season and then by its peak it's in the double digits but then at the end he's, he's only down for 6.7 salary so and no uh, miko started high like he was by mm-hmm. salary he was one of the highest paid players in the league last year yeah i think he was getting paid 12 million dollars so so sure, like the abs are willing to do a little bit of that up front, but yeah, but they're not they're not doing some nonsense like what I think it was Dougie Hamilton got, where in, oh god in twenty five and twenty six he's making one million dollars plus like ten million signing bonus. Yeah. <laughs> right. The don't you dare lock us out, don't you dare buy me out contract. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think you know. I- I mean, eight years would be great for Kale just to know he's locked up that long. But I, I think as we saw with Miko, six years is the kind of sweet spot for guys that are at that contract age because it's in the team's best interest to keep it a little bit shorter by not buying UFA years. So they keep their average value down. And it also allows the player you know, freedom to, to go for a new contract while they're still you know, quite young. Um, so I, I just, I, I know everyone wishes that it, that it could have been longer, but I think both parties were in agreement that, that probably six years works best for everybody there. And, and then just coming up with the number. And he might be Um, a kind of guy that buys into the whole franchise defensive thing and we'll sign again. I mean, we'll, we'll see what life is like in six years, but yeah. I think it's possible. I, I think like it's going to be harder to keep someone like Miko than maybe someone like Lacar. Well, hey, maybe, maybe a signing bonus wasn't that high on Makar's, uh, you know, radar because we are still fighting our way through, you know, a pandemic and there's problems in the supply chain. So maybe he couldn't even get materials to build a new place yet. There you go. <laughs> so he doesn't care. <laughs> So, big re-signing up front, big re-signing on the defense, was met with a big re-signing in goal, right? No. (laughs) 
This is where it starts to unravel. <laughs> so Philip Grubauer is off to Seattle, where he will make just under the, um, I was going to say the Billington, just under the Binnington contract, 5.9 million, six years. Um, that's a lot of contract for, for a goalie. And uh, a lot of gaping hole <laughs> in the avalanche net. So it's, Even uh, seeing how it played out, that's probably too much. And the Avs have not really ever been comfortable paying a lot for goaltending. So um, it's just like where they misstepped here is they didn't want to close that door soon enough. And then they were kind of left with without a goalie <laughs> when they went too far into free agency. And, you know, it, it, I'd be curious to know exactly how this played out, which I'm sure we'll never find out. But um, it seems like they were in the five-ish million for five-year range, which maybe he would have taken, which would have been okay. I think... I think it'd be sort of something about well, a little bit more than we'd like, but he's your goalie and it's worth it. But the Bennington is, is just a little bit bridged too far. Just the problem is, is that Seattle swooped in and it was pretty funny when he said, Oh yeah, you know, we worked on a little bit during the, the interview window and it's like no no no, no buddy it's like, what you window protected. what window you weren't in a window sport <laughs> yeah what window and i know that people have said okay clearly like everyone was tampering okay that's one thing this was a protected person in the expansion draft this was not just oh hey everyone's gonna be ufa and guess what everyone's represented an agent represents lots of players and they talk to teams funny how that happens but no, I, you know, that does make me mad. It's like he, you only are allowed to protect one goalie. You're only allowed to protect 11 players and you were one of them. No, you don't get to just see, put feelers out and see what Seattle has. Yep. That's some but, nonsense. You know. <clears throat> um, I, I, I mean, when we look at the tampering thing, it's like, that's, that's very clearly what happened here, but it's also happened from multiple teams in the Gabe Landeskog ordeal. It's it's at the point where it's just like, can we just stop pretending like you don't want this to happen? <laughs> it, it's obviously in the team's interest. It's obviously in the player's interest. Once the cup is awarded, maybe like two days after that, so everyone has a time, has a chance to actually, you know, sleep at least once. You know, maybe the following Monday or something, now players are allowed to talk to whoever they want. You just still can't sign until the day. Yeah, it's silly every way around. But like I said, I would have, I don't know, I would have thought there'd be a little bit of sanctity of like somebody was protecting the expansion draft. Nope. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. They were talked to anyway. <laughs> so the whole like protect your UFAs. Yeah, forget about that. If there's ever a next time. That was a real big shenanigan. So, I mean, I, I'm sad about this for non-hockey reasons. It seemed like uh, Philip Grubauer really loved being with this team and uh, that he didn't really want to, like, he, he didn't want to go chase money. Um, but when you're turning, when you'd be, when you're turning down probably a, a, at least $6 million over a six year deal, that's, that starts to add up, <laughs> you know? 
Well, the thing is, is that he hasn't had that big deal. No. Right. Like he was, he was the backup in Washington. Then when he got here, he got the, the, you haven't quite proved it contract, which a lot of goalies get the three by three type of thing. So he never really had that starters contract. And I've said that all throughout the year that, you know, a guy that's never been paid like, this is his chance. And he knows he just was a Vezina finalist. Like, it's never going to get better than it is now. He's 30, isn't he? 31 years old, was just a Vezina finalist. Like, this was his time to get that contract. And would it like a five by five from the Avs have not been worthy? You know, it was in range, but if you can get that more six by six, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, he just had to think about it. And, it was his chance to do it. So mm-hmm. maybe the abs should have recognized that more. Like I get why maybe they didn't just want to trade for a guy or sign, sign a guy right out of the gate, but you just have, you have to make a decision and that's kind of where they got in trouble here is like, there was a story from LeBron. So I believe it because he's like one of the only that tech will speak to about how Anderson was like their plan B, but the abs weren't giving up on the groove hour thing fast enough. So then he just signed with Carolina and, you know, looking back on it, I would have rather saved the assets and not done the trade because he, his contract wasn't even that dumb. It was 4.5 for two years. So the two years there is nice, but I don't know how much faith that anybody should have in Freddie Anderson right now. Yeah. I mean, you might see a little bit of bounce back just because he's going to a, a a more defensively responsible team, but That's true. I think for a team like the Avs that really needs to, it really needs to go further than they have the last three years. Um, that's, you know, that, that's not a great bet. Um, my take on Gruby is that I'm not sure they actually wanted to sign him. Um, then they would have I, I moved think... on way sooner. They wouldn't have. Maybe, been... maybe not. Maybe, you know, maybe the Kemper deal came down, came down, came down, and they kept pushing it. Um, I, I think they actually wanted Kemper um, probably more than Gruby from day one. Oh, there's been um, smoke on that for months. Oh, sure. Yeah, it, yeah, the whole, like, they panicked. I mean, they got a guy they liked that they did go out. They yeah. knew that they could go out and get a guy that they liked, but they knew they were going to have to overpay for it. So, yeah, it's and, not like they just said, find any goalie that's unsigned or that we could trade for him. We'll get him. Like, obviously, he, he's someone good. I think he's just as good as Grubauer, but. I think he's better than Grubauer. And I, I think that's what be. the Avs thought. Um, because Joe Sackick is- was kind of damning Grubauer with faint praise during his press conference, um, just saying that. Uh, you know, Grubauer benefited from playing behind the world's best defense and all things like that. Oh, um, well, it was clear that they were pretty ambivalent about him. Like, you yeah, know, these rumors and the Kemper rumor kept coming up, or that they were checking in on this guy. I mean, yeah, it was clearly obvious they had several irons in the fire, and they weren't going to run out and sign him. <laughs> but the fact that they did not let it go once free agency started it was like they almost had second thoughts that they were focusing on negotiating with him rather than going out and executing an actual plan b like they didn't trade for kemper until the evening 
So it's not like they. I, I mean, again, I, I think this is something that right that's been something that they've been thinking about for a long time, I and mean, it, it perhaps as far back as, I mean, the seeds of it might have been started, um, you know, maybe in the San Jose series a couple of years ago. Um, oh, I think they probably wanted yeah. him after that Arizona series. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when it comes down to the reactive and desperation kind of move of this deal, it's not that they, that targeting Camper was the the panic here. It was, well, all our other options are gone, and we're still in a bidding war with Edmonton for this guy. And if you've been watching the NHL, Edmonton has just been buying fucking everything. So now you have to throw in all these extra things that you probably didn't want to throw in just to make sure that this deal gets done because it's the last one you like. Pretty I much. Think, the funny I, thing I, is I mean, Edmonton. I think this trade could have been a lot worse for the abs, and I, I don't think it's. I, I do think they probably spent a little bit more than they wanted to, and, and more than I'd like to have seen them spend on it. But um, you know, this is—I I think this is a guy they've—they've they've had on had in their minds to replace Grubauer for a while. I just don't think they had the faith that Grubauer could win a Stanley Cup, um, and they might be right. Um, I know, would just like to if, see Kemper extended. If we're talking about the same uh, I don't thing, know. you're going to Brad Stewart him? I mean, you're going to you're going to extend him without a I would. a practice? I'm not Well, if it gets the guy signed, okay. If if the deal is a 6 by 6, then no, you're not doing it right no. now. Yeah. But if he can <laughs> sign for anything somewhat reasonable and do it sight unseen, I would do it. Because what I other mean, maybe they've discussed they that, and it is sort of you know like if you want to overpay, we're great with that right now. But let's just see how things go, and and um, then then you're basically because they can't do this again, like they really can't. But they're set up to. Well, if you if you look at it this way, if they make it past the second round, um, and. You know, Joe Sackick loves the idea of a goalie stealing around for you, which Gruber has not done. Um, and if, if Kemper somehow gets them over that hump, um, you know, they're going to have a great shot to win the cup and, and yada, yada, yada. But that's that's going to be sort of telling the Avs, all right, this is our guy. We're going to keep him. Um, and, and for Kemper, it's going to be like, here's the success that, you know, I, I've played well for years, but I've been on bad teams. And... You know, now this is is sort of a, a way for me to, you know, play for a good team and and all that. I, I just I don't but think I, he's going to ask for the moon. I don't know. I mean, if he plays well and they make it to the third third round or the finals, then it, then he's asking for six by six, and then are you going to have to pay it? Like they I mean, pay his they age, he's not going to ask for that much. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think you want to do if, it sight unseen either, but I definitely like if if he if everything goes as you hope it does and he's go he goes well he doesn't have an immediate season ending injury because this is a goalie who's got an injury history and I guess people were saying just had the surgery that Varlamov had, um, but uh, I, if you get into November and December and things are feeling right then sure get that extension done don't don't let it get to well, the end they, of the year. They signed Grubauer. Yeah, I mean I was thinking unseen. like like they they've, gave him a got... three year deal. They've got the big Olympic break where, you know, I don't think I, I'm not sure, but I don't think he's going to be representing Canada. Maybe he will. I don't know. He just won the world championships, but um, that just seems know, a little. There is too, an in, I don't know. 
the abs, the abs I'm just saying most, most players don't want to deal with this during the season. You know, that's what your agent's for. It, I I personally nah. would like to see him extended this off season and something reasonable. Like I said, if you're if you have to, what do if they do that and he sucks? Well, <laughs> you, you kind of made your bed. If you do you that and he sucks, then something happened that's weird. <laughs> if if you do that and yeah. he sucks, then everyone in the world is wrong. Because the general take here is Darcy Camper's a great goalie. He's probably better than Grubauer. He signed for one year and he gave up a first and Connor Timmins and probably not in a, in a conditional third. Like, it's 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 not that anybody thinks he's going to be bad. It's that you, you gave up a whole lot and he's only signed for a year. It's not like yeah. your other options are even better. No. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you sign him to something, you know, I get it. Probably would have to be like maybe four years or something. You just have to do it. I mean, th- this is what you've done. You can't just go into next offseason and be like, well, gee, who can we sign now? It, it's but like that's they were. they willing... always do for goalies. <laughs> well, it's going to come back and bite them because this, this is an organization that does not procure assets. Yeah. There are, I mean, I don't know what they're going to use in the next year's deadline. Like, they're already looking at a draft class that starts in the third round, they don't have a fourth either. So then you're going to start taking from the next group too, you which you've already taken from. It's just they Trade don't Kadri really for a first at the deadline. You know they would never do that. <laughs> they will never trade. They're not going to trade off anybody they're using at the deadline. And, and even if it's you, just, even if they were a team that would did that, who's going to be your second center? Well, you trade them because someone already took that job. Well, we'll yeah, see you, if that happens. I mean, that's right. We're, we'll That's we'll definitely get to that. There's still a whole lot more uh, UFA to get through, but we'll definitely get to that. But it frustrates me because okay, there there was like the Anderson thing, like you could have had Flurry for free. I know he makes seven million dollars, but they got him for nothing. Like if you wanted, I am not sure can... that Vegas would have given Flurry to the Abs for nothing. <laughs> that, well, they're yeah, not in division anymore. They're no, not they're, in they're, division anymore. We're obviously the top two teams in the West. Yeah, <laughs> they they needed to get rid of the cap hit. I mean, they got not rid of that bad. <laughs> <laughs> not so bad that you make the team you need to go through to get to the cup better. Right. If like I just I, I can't see the Avs and Vegas trying you know having any sort of player personnel interaction anytime soon. Well, I wanted them to get flurry last year too. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not willing to look for other solutions. They didn't want to go down another three by three guy route like Ned or Vit. I don't even know how to say Vitasek. Like those were the looking like the on the cusp three by three. You know how the ads are. They find their guy. They focus on him hyper, 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 and that's what they do. Boy, Nadelkovich would have been awesome though. You know. Like that's a, a third yeah. round pick, and he signs and for he a super reasonable deal, right? Like, would that have been worse? And I'm, I think Frank is still going to be useful. I know a lot of people think he's like either terrible or going to be completely broken down. I think he's going to be serviceable. Like, would I have been okay with Ned and Frank and JoJo? You know, that's an okay group. I think you can win a cup with that. Is okay, good enough for this team right now, though. I mean, I, I think just, so. I, I'm not I sure. Think, I, I'm just not can. sure that's the way management looks at it. Well, if you look at what else they did, they 
It's not like we're loading <laughs> up here like the Globetrotters, so... Yeah, the, the main thing with Francois isn't that he's definitely going to be terrible, it's that no one really knows what he's going to be. It's that he, he could be terrible, or he could steal a starting job. We have no idea. We know he's talented I, enough to play in the NHL regularly. We do. We, we also know he, ha fine. he hasn't played in the NHL since, like, the COVID bubble. Like, if they had <clears> gone <throat> deep, there was even a thought, like, probably cup final deep. There was a thought he could have maybe been ready by then. So he should, he will definitely be ready for training camp. And, yeah. and I know ready. It's just, what does ready now look like for this guy? We'll find out. We have no idea. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to play himself back in a game readiness. Oh, I think he'll be fine. I'm not really that worried about it, but I'm not worried about it either, but I mean, it's, you're going to be rusty. I don't know. I just hope they have a plan. I just hope it goes beyond, which I know is funny to say. I just hope it goes beyond more like, well, hey, we got a guy we liked for one year and it's like, okay, well, I hope you get something out of it. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, you're right, though. I mean, the, the assets to do this again next season aren't there. The goalie market for next season, it probably looks like the goalie market every season, which is very cringy. So, yeah. A longer-term-looking move would really, really do wonders. And so would drafting and developing your own goalies. But that's a whole other show. We <laughs> you know, I would just take out the your own goalies part. Yeah, it's true. They, the Avs have, like, players. they have, what, like five or six players on their NHL roster who they drafted? There's Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. Then there's Jost. Then there's Makar and and Byram. End of list. <laughs> Everyone else was signed or traded. So, But sure, we don't still have a development problem. But hopefully we will see some more progress from guys like from like like New Hook or like even Ranta coming back. Um, maybe, maybe some future appearances from New Faces. Um, we're going to get to all that probably in the second hour of this show. For right now, we've got more signings to get to because the Avs added Darren Helm and all of his wing stank for one year and $1 million. Raise you... your hand if you weren't sure if Darren Helm was retired or not. Yeah, that was my first thought was he still plays? But he's not as old as you think. He's only, what, like 34? Yeah. I would have guessed something more like 44. So this is a guy who is probably not, he's probably going to help the team by not hurting it while he's on the ice. And that's about all you can say for it. One year, one million. Is yeah, I, I've seen, I've seen chatter that, that he's an upgrade on Belmar and you know, that's not, not a high bar. Um, you know, you wonder he's had he's had injury problems throughout his career, but he, he's always had good speed and, and even still does to this day. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I you know I think it's a pretty low risk signing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's not a whole lot to get mad about. It's one year. It's one million. It's not like he's blocking anyone. Um. <laughs> 
you know, we'll see what he looks like. Not like I've really been watching a whole bunch of Red Wings games the last few years. Nope. Um, I've even watched Red Wings games and I wasn't aware he was still in the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good then, because you didn't see him glaringly making humongous that's mistakes. right. I yep. looked up some of his general his general analytics and he seemed like okay okay like he wasn't the problem on that team he was penalty killing he did a better job than Nemeth I guess they should have looked looked that one up um you know whatever he, I I get he used to be fairly that. decent offensively and I do think that the the Red Wings you know lack of scoring ability might have might have been a, a bit of a a repressor on that. Um, well, you look around at so, the the players he's going to be skating with on his on the bottom six with the abs. There's not a whole lot of scoring talent there either. No, uh, but it's better. <laughs> I, I guess technically, but like if, if yeah. uh, it, it's the the one year is super clutch because it means you're not tied to him. It's you, you don't give term to replaceable players. And, yeah. uh, right, like this could have easily been like a three million for two year kind of gross deal, and mm-hmm. just right. And they've if stayed they'd away given from him the that. Calvert contract. Then yeah. I'd have a serious problem with it. Definitely. And, and they didn't, so, didn't yeah, even I'll give keep... him the Belmar contract because Belmar went to Tampa and got two years. Apparently, he had two years on the table somewhere. Who knew? Um, <laughs> but if if you're someone that thinks this is a downgrade on PE Belmar, I would t- suggest you take a really hard look at Belmar's actual on-ice contributions against teams who are not yeah. Vegas. And also, I mean, <laughs> just sort of remember what he looked like on the ice. I mean, it's, the, you know, you look at him penalty killing. I mean, he, he wasn't very good. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I have shifts burned in my mind of him and Comfort not preventing cross-ice passes. And mm-hmm. it, um. You know that that's I, I like Belmar a lot. I think he did a lot as far as leadership, which we don't pay for. Um, but if if you can get a, a player that's going to be a little bit more helpful on your penalty kill, and and you know that I think that's an area where they they really do need an upgrade, especially in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm keeping know. an open mind on that. Yeah, there's no real reason to hate it just i guess it's interesting that he's played his entire career in detroit i mean we're talking over 700 games so it's just going to be big time culture shock for him like that's just hard on anybody that you're that used to one organization and then in, you come to the abs who definitely do certain things their own way yeah they so sure do i am going to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt even if he does start slow just because he is gonna have a culture shock for real but I, I mean dealing like he i mean he actually won a cup with detroit that's how long he's been with the organization um jeez and and been in a, on some very bad teams lately i i think for a veteran like that it's getting on in his career having a chance to play for a team like the abs i mean he should be raring to go in training camp yeah, but it's still an adjustment to get used to the different organization, to get used to a, a new team system. Like, every UFA has to go through that. Um, but, yeah. but but when your entire career has been in one culture, it, it is going to take him a minute just to get used to the surroundings. No more free pizza pizza. <laughs> well, I mean, that's an upgrade. <laughs> 
Also on the lower end of the forward group, we see a two-year, $2 million extension for Tyson Jost, um, which seems to have basically gotten two reactions from Avalanche fans. The first one is mine, which is, hmm, okay. And the other one is, wow, that's way too much money, which I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. I thought it was a little high, but I mean, it is what it is. So, right, yeah, like I mean, we're talking about the difference between like 1.5, which would have been like, hey, that's optimum. pretty good, to 2 yeah. million. Whoa, that's too much. Like, Right. Like if it was two and a half, then I'm really kind of like, uh, I don't know. But I think it's fine. Like my guess was about 1.5 for a two-year deal. So it's a little generous, but it got done now. He, he didn't have to file arbitration. Sometimes there is value in just getting it done. Jost yeah. has been a good soldier. He did just accept his qualifying offer last year. He got nothing. And he's earned a little bit of a contract. So it's fine. Like there, and his there's... salary went, it's 1.75225, I think, right? So yeah, something like that. That's sort of the progression you're hoping for. I, I, you know, I, I can't see having too much problem with this. I know how to check exactly what the salary progression is. <laughs> And ask the magic bot. It is going to tell us. You are correct. It's 1.752.25. Um, Tyson yeah. Jost has definitely earned his, his little pay bump. He's also earned more time on the PK, please, and thank you. Yeah. Uh, but for a long time, we on this show were just like, what are you doing with this player? What is his role? What is his job here? And he's now really starting to establish himself as a strong defensive player. So let's use him like one. Just good. I think every team needs that, and if they're homegrown, that's even better. You well, I hope one thing that the staff is overall, but you know, it's <laughs> it is it is a guy that you are using a guy you drafted. <laughs> I, I hope one thing that the staff looks at is what happened when they split Jost and Chushkin up in the playoffs. Um, and I'm not putting this all on Jost, like oh, you know, he just disappears without Nuke, but. Um, it's like those guys have a synergy. They work really well together. And it seems like when you put someone and, you know, generally last year, this was Donskoy and Saad. Um, you, you put someone like that with those two guys and you, you really have a, a, a solid third line that can create an, an even score. Um, and you split those guys up and they're just, they're, they're not uh, quite as effective outside of each other. Yeah, the, the way that they play does complement each other pretty well because Nachushkin is really, really strong in the neutral zone. And and you see that in his... This is something you can see pretty clearly in his five-on-five -five results versus his special team results where Nuke is a tremendous play driver at even strength. But as soon as you take that neutral zone off the table, as soon as he's on the power play or the penalty kill, whoo, rancid. Yeah. But Tyson he's Jost also good at is... puck retrieval and and board battles in the offensive zone, which you also don't generally have on the power play. So right, 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 right. Uh, but Jost is a strong one zone player where he can be really helpful for you on the penalty kill as well. So you have Nichushkin moving the puck in the right direction and Jost keeping it there. It's that works well together. Now you need someone next to them who can score goals. Yeah. Well, good luck there. <laughs> So let's let's look around at who on the Avalanche might score goals. Jonas Donskoy scores a lot of goals. Uh, he was taken in the expansion draft and will now be a member of the Seattle Kraken. 
Um, that's pretty much what we all kind of expected. I know there was a lot of chatter about, oh, they're going to take JT Comfer, and we all kind of said, yes, please, I guess. Please? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, the rumors were nice and all, but... but they never made any sense. And it, they, I mean, I, I they do, do think teams do put a premium on centers, and that was part of that as well, but... They... It's hard to look at what Donskoy does versus what Comfer does, and and you know make make the choice of of Comfer there. Yeah, you, you don't want to pick the diet version when the original is right there. Yeah. Um, but I I can imagine like a scenario where these rumors emerge because Seattle are looking very seriously at Comfer for reasons, and then finally someone listens to their analytics department saying he's not a center. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> And they say, okay, well, if he's not a center, then we'll take Don Skoy instead. Maybe something like that happens. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so you could. That also... was pretty much the way I saw their their expansion draft going in relation to the Avs from day one. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a pretty. It easy looked pick. like Don Skoy was going to be the best player available. Um, obviously, the the Avs traded Graves because they they were worried about. Uh, Graves getting taken. I, I would definitely take Donskoy over Graves, just for, you know, for several reasons. Like there's there's always going to be more defensemen available in the ex, uh, expansion draft, and yeah, the scoring is was, tough. Yeah, the defense they took was decent. Right, they're, and they're we saw that with Vegas a couple of years as well. It just seems like you can come up with defensemen pretty easily in expansion draft. Coming up with scoring is incredibly difficult. So. Mm-hmm. So then I guess here's the question. Should they have not done the Graves thing and just let one of them be taken? Because now we're kind of in a crisis of depth. Would we rather have Graves or Donskoy right now rather than both gone? I don't know if you can keep both their captains um, around. That was the really, really the big impetus there. Like we weren't in a hurry to get rid of either of those yeah. players. Like occasionally both can be overplayed and we will beat on them for it. But it wasn't like, boy, these are anchors on your roster. Get rid of them. It was, I don't know if we can keep this cap hit. We haven't really done anything with the cap. That yeah, saved. we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Um, so, and, and hopefully, what you just said makes sense because there was a big, awful audio artifact on my end that I'm gonna have to clip out, and I'm gonna try my best to make that work. Um, <laughs> but they also lost the cap hit from frequent goal scorer Brandon Sod, who's off to St. Louis for five years and four and a half million. And it sounds reasonable, but I still don't see the abs being able to afford it without. I don't, I don't think the five years EJ on LTIR. I don't, I don't think the five years was ever going to be on the table from Colorado because it was reported pretty early that the abs were not in on Sod, And I I think the term was why. You could tell from Sackick's press conference when he was like, oh, I don't even know if he signed anywhere yet or not. It's like, well, if you're interested, you probably know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I think if uh, if Saad was still available like now or three weeks from now or something like that, I, I think, you know, they would they would perhaps think about what they would have to do to fit a contract in. Um. I know but one they could get rid of for, for signing for signing a guy like Saad on day one. Uh, that that just wasn't going to happen. Well, there's a lot of teams that do that though. There's a lot of teams around the league that will go to the plus ten percent over the cap that you're allowed to do in the off season and figure it out. But 
That, yeah. That's not been something the Avalanche have ever even approached being willing to do. No. The thought that maybe they're keeping one spot open for one of these last minute pick through the remnants kind of guy is different for them too. Usually they like to be done by about noon on free agency day, wrap it up. This is your roster. Maybe the AHL guys come a day or two later and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And it clearly feels like there's room for maybe one guy and maybe they're keeping a little bit of their options open, which I like that because sometimes you do see guys sign at the end of the off season. You're like, wow, that's cheap because things waited and, and we're able to fit these guys in. It's just, Right. I mean, if you're if you're looking at the Avs roster right now and the realistic roster, not the exact one that that's on cap friendly, um, they've got about two and a half million of cap to spend if they need to, um, and they and they they really do need a, another defenseman that's you know probably a, a more experienced NHL defenseman, not a hope and a prayer kind of guy. <clears throat> they got those. Um, yeah. Let's. Let's just kind of look at the rest of these signings before we do this whole what's the roster kind of thing. Because you've got yeah. Donskoy out, you've got Sod out, you've got Timmons out as part of the camper deal, you've got Graves out. So you've added Maltsev there, that's a fourth-line player who's going to play for the Avs. People seem to be putting him in the AHL, stop it, he's going to be playing for the Avs. Um, you add Curtis McDermott for a fourth for reasons, probably. Oh yeah, probably. we haven't talked about that one yet. We haven't talked about that one yet. Like, um, why? Why? Stop it. It's just... Uh, I don't know. It's just so frustrating. Whose um, idea was this? Bubble. Take away and their also, idea why, making privileges. Like, why do you have to trade for that guy? First, first of all, even just arriving at we need an enforcer is one thing, but then the second thing is you have to trade for that? Like, you can't just yeah. sign somebody... I yeah, don't know. This one was really tough. We're um, really familiar it, with him because we saw him a lot in the AHL. I looked up his fight history. He fought Siemens, Gerritsen, Greer. Um, I even forgot who else. It was like five of them that were all fights against our guys. And it's like, it's just. Yeah. Oh, the, the Greer fight was after he kneed Jost and right. he heard his MCL from it, and Greer wins stuck up for him and it's like I don't know you just make a mental note that you need to go get that guy one of these days like did you all sit around there like wow that was impressive like you leave the rink feeling like ooh what if we could have that someday I don't I don't know it's just gross to me like and you know who was behind pounding the table for some of that stuff it's the people that were down there watching those fights <laughs> <laughs> Not that we're gonna name but. any names on that, but yeah, this this deal sucks. I don't get and then it. It's tough too that. because Joe uh, in his press conference, and I know he's gonna sunshine everything, but you know he's like, this is a guy that everybody in the locker room is gonna be ha- is happy to have on the team already, and he's gonna be playing all the time, and he can even play a little forward. Um, and it's just yeah, I don't know. I just I I don't like the idea especially if you're using a defensive spot on a guy like this. I don't think they will, which is why he mentioned, like it's so much easier to dress a goon it forward, which is why I think he mentioned it. It reminds me of, remember when Dan Maggio became a forward? Like that's exactly, oh, and he's another guy that was on the, the fight list. 
that's why he became a forward because it's so much easier to play a goon. Because you're right, right. If, if, if he's one of the six defensemen dressed, he actually has to, you know, like defend. Well, it's not just that. It's just after he does his little dance, then you're stuck with five <laughs> defensemen the rest of the night. And and anyone that knows me and is listening to me on the podcast, I'm not against fighting. I'm not against physical play. I like hitting, you know, all these things. But it's like you, we've gotten past that. Like, what are you going to do when this guy's on the ice and he's giving up goals? It's like, oh, well. Well, Joe said he was very strong standing up guys in the neutral zone, so. <laughs> when? Where? <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, this is, having McDermott on the roster, I assume fairly much a, a fixture. Um, it, it, that, that's one thing that makes it tough to project, like, who might be playing where, and, and in in his case, since he might be a forward, sometimes it, it affects both the defenseman and the forward. So you're you're just not real sure about how this is going to work. Like, are are they going to try it for a few games and be like, ah, no, and then, you know, and then he's just sort of O'Brien for a while. Well, that's the um, other thing. Or are they like... going to you know give up a spot in the lineup and either play basically with eleven forwards or five defensemen because of this? Um, well, that's the funny thing. That's when they got O'Brien and then Benner got tired of him. It's like, yeah. this is going to go better. And then also a fourth. Like, was there a fifth wouldn't have done it? A sixth? Or nothing? You know, get him once he's waved? No, <laughs> he's pal- Joe's pals with Rob Blake. I mean, come on. No, he they got him from Seattle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Seattle took him, and we were all really confused. Oh, I forgot about that. That's even worse. Yeah. (laughs) Like there were uh, others that were trying to get him. I guess we could have gotten Reeves for a third. I don't know. It's just silly to me. Like, why can't you find someone that plays like actual hockey that also can do that? Like, there are guys that you could draft that do that. You didn't like it. It's just funny. Everyone clutched the pearls and grew it. Oh my god, he tries to fight too much. He's too much of a punk. But oh no, when someone else does it, like this is fantastic. This is great. And then just thinking about altitude hyping it up. No, thank you. No thanks. <laughs> they want to go back to 2003 and watch all that shit. Good for them. But you know. We're trying to uh, add, I mean, accomplish it, If you look at the playoffs here. this year, it, it seems it's not just the Avs. It's it's pretty much the whole league wants to go back 10 years, um, 20 years, 30 years. I know. The Rangers, yeah, like Tom Wilson just pretty much ruined that whole team. Good for them. I hate the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they ruined themselves. They're going to have like four skill guys and all goons. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of moments where the playoffs were just, they just sucked because it was yeah. this crap. Um, I mean, I know. if you could actually play McDermott five minutes, he does this thing, whatever, it's a hit or something, and then nobody touches our stars, everyone leaves them alone, great. But it doesn't happen that way. Does anyone else care? Does the other team care? Are they that scared, intimidated? Like, boy, if if I hit McKinnon or McCarr or even Byram, I'm I'm gonna get it. Like, no, nobody's scared by that. The only way that you can 
you know, get it against your will is in a way that's going to get McDermott suspended for six games. You don't have to fight anybody. <laughs> I The only way that this makes any sense at all is as a little bit of internal panic about the effect that Vegas's goon shit had on the abs in, in the second round of the playoffs. And a lot of that is driven by a player who's no longer in the Western Conference. <laughs> Which that's hilarious too. Like he was so effective, yet they healthy scratched him, and now they've traded him away. And the only game they gooned it up was the first one, which they lost by um, Brazil. And it, you know, when they started playing skilled hockey, they tore the, you know, they tore right through the abs. I mean, it's, I did, I don't know. Maybe they forgot that part. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But he's gonna hang around one way or the other. Like you don't trade for someone and then wave him. So, in my mind, he's going to be, like, the 13th forward. Maybe you don't play him all the time. Like, they can't possibly be penciling him as a defenseman. Because, like you said, that's absurd. Like, either he's never going to get the minutes, he's never going to be effective enough to be a D, or if he's in the box and you're playing 5D. And none of those are appealing. And, And as a defender, he has had some of the worst results. Not on the LA Kings. In the league. Yeah. So it, it's it's not a hockey signing. Or trade. No. It's, not, it's not a hockey trade. It's a it's some other kind of trade. Hey. His new nickname is Bordy. I, I'm calling him <laughs> McLarge Huge until uh, further notice. Either one of those works for me. So now you've got an avalanche who have lost Donskoy and Sod and Grubauer and Timmons and Graves. And they have added Helm and Camper and McDermott and uh, Stefan Matto and Dylan Sakura on two-way deals and Jordan Gross defender on a two-way deal and Roland McCown defender on a two-way deal. McCown has been a captain in the AHL, so it's hard to imagine that he has, um, you know, plans for anything other than, than a whole lot of AHL time there's space in the Avs top six. There's space in the Avs defense because there's, you know, Eric Johnson's future is constantly in doubt. This is why we feel like they can't be done. I mean, right now you have Jacob McDonald basically as your sixth defenseman, you know, or McDermott, but um, just basically on paper that that's kind of what we're looking at. And that's with EJ perfectly healthy and playing every night. Um, so that that just doesn't add up. There really is a hole there, um, and not that I don't like McDonald playing. I I, I think he's fine, um, but, but he's like a good seventh guy. Like, right? I can, I can imagine they don't want to wave him again. Like he did clear earlier in the year, but that was before he like solidified himself as an option, and then and they didn't wave him after that. Like the Abs don't like waving guys that they feel have value. Like O'Connor is not waiver exempt it's going to be his first year so you know he's he's on the roster like they don't want to waive him right and mcdonald's probably in that same situation like he'd he'd make a good seven and and so that yeah so we're still missing someone in the top six now the guys that you just mentioned steph that are those two-way guys are seem to be of that group that the avs love to bring in which are high dollar tweener types that are probably going to play a lot more than we hope they would, but it does seem at least like this year they've gone for 
they're still pretty young, like 25, 26. It might even have a little bit of upside. So a little bit less on the career minor leaguers and maybe a little bit more to, I don't know, maybe they find a graves out of these guys. I don't know. But so. Yeah. I like, I mean, opposed... everyone's always assumed McEwen has talent and. Yeah. And he only um... played 10 games for Carolina, which is a little. A little Weird. odd. Like, they never even really gave him a chance. And it, Carolina has always had a good defense. And they couldn't even make room for Jake Bean. They got rid of him, too. So may, maybe it's a guy they overlooked. I don't know. But in theory, I'm not opposed to McEwen getting a, a look. Well, I mean, why not? They're, you know they're going to. These tweener guys are going to get a look. Andy's right-handed. And he's right-handed. And I yeah. feel like that, that's a big hole in their lineup, too. It. And we know that Sam can play on the right. It's not a big deal, but like Bender likes having actual right-handed defensemen. Like the who was on the third pair, I don't think matters. But you you want to have in your lineup ideally two of them at least. So it's not just McCarr's your only right-handed defenseman. So when EJ goes down, you don't have any more right-handers. So that's why I feel like they really need to add one more guy that could play on the right side. Which and is so tough because maybe... they're really if you look at what might be available in UFA, like the right, the right-handed defensemen aren't, aren't looking good. They're a hot commodity um, for 32 teams. Yeah. I mean, more or less, but it, it I mean, they're just rarer as well. Yeah, so it's, that's what I'm saying. There's, just, there's more teams than there are right-handed defenders who can play on them. Yeah. And um, I guess this is kind of where maybe we should talk a little bit more about them getting rid of Timmons is, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. I always felt like it it was a, a little bit, unfortunately, of a competition between Byram and Timmons. And I think they needed to make that choice because it was a little bit like split loyalties. And now it's all going to be towards Byram, which it should be. So I'm not necessarily upset that they let Timmons go, except for the fact that, yeah, they're going to need a right-hander to come in. But when you just mentioned they're such a commodity, it's like you just gave him away. Like maybe he could have been a part of a much better deal out there that gets them in like an actual player. But it's, it's almost like the abs didn't even want to try to find decent players. Like they could have that return for Kepper was what Sam Reinhardt cost. You know, you could have had Butchnevich for a second round pick. You could have had Didana for a third round pick or was it Holden? It's just, there were these avenues getting real players that would have made the apps better. And, and they didn't choose to go that way. So then they just, Timmons was probably their best trade chip and he's gone now. And they probably could have used him in like, in like a deal, getting someone back that would have a future with this team. And now let's look at it from Arizona's perspective. Is Connor Timmons in Arizona's future or are they going to flip him? Because that's our right-handed mean, D, and Arizona's in full tank mode. Everything that's not nailed down must go. And our right-handed right, D is Heppel, a good... But Heppel drafted him, and he's their... Yeah, but Heppel, Heppel's their head scout, and he drafted Timmons, and he's always liked Timmons. He's an Ontario guy, and so... I this think one might be a little more longer term than than most of their acquisitions this season, but you know, I, I would assume if someone offered something for him, they'd they'd trade him. I think I think so too. I think they plan to play him. It will be interesting because he does still have waiver exemption for one more year. 
Like, is he lineup regular? Is is he someone that they're going to bounce? Oh back yeah, I mean, I look know, at what, that. Like, team. what else they have? They have to play somebody. <laughs> but I'd say everyone. In Nate Clerman might make that team. Who? <laughs> I will say when they said everyone but Chikrin is available is probably true. If there's an yeah. offer good enough, anyone can go. But right. I, I will be super interested to see what they do with him. Like, is is he going to take a step with them? Is he going to become like, you know, a regular top four defenseman? Or well, the thing we'll is, see. in Arizona, he's going to have access to playing time that there's no way he'd have touched in Colorado. So the opportunity is going to be there, you know, if they choose to give it to him, but on paper, um, they have the freedom to try him out in various roles and minute loads and whatnot and see what, you know, see what he, he really can be. Um, whereas the abs just, you know, either weren't comfortable enough doing that or, or didn't have the minutes for him. Oh, he had a really up and down um, couple of seasons with Colorado where he would, you know, come in and play okay and then stop playing okay and then be back with the Eagles and then come back and be definitely better and just kind of repeat a few times. And that's, that's where this is kind of frustrating to see Timmons go for me because this is a player that has really just like, you've seen the development even within seasons with this guy. And Yeah, he, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like he did have a ceiling here. But you're right. If if you if you want to prove that you actually developed somebody in your system that has spent time in the AHL, he was that guy, and then he's gone. So like you're back to having like no homegrown developed players, and no, I don't count Nico. He was a top ten pick for God's sake. <laughs> I know Jackie will poo poo this right away, but I. I stand by the fact that I think Justin Barron is going to be um, given an opportunity in training camp to show his stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't expect him to be on the roster right off the bat. I mean, you know, maybe if they're caught with EJ injured right away, I mean, maybe they just have to do something like that if he shows well. But um, I think trading Timmons not only allows Byram um, the playing time that he needs, but it, it it does open a door for another right-handed defenseman, and, and that is exactly what Baron is. See, that's what trading Graves it. did was make space for Byram. So that that's no longer part of the conversation. Well, no, I think it, I think he is relevant to the Timmons situation because, like I said before, I always felt like it it was split loyalties. There was some sort of tension between them. I'm not saying personally, but I'm saying. It was always in a way one or the other. Like they couldn't focus on both of like both of them. They need they have to focus on one. Like it was almost sort of like we kind of rather Byram now. We kind of rather Timmons now. It's gonna help Byram a lot that he doesn't have to worry about that because Timmons wasn't just a right-handed defenseman that could play. He was in sort of that developmental slot, if you will, and. He definitely needed to go for Byram to get like full runway here. Yeah, it it is kind of weird how it always felt like playing Byram and playing Timmons both cost twenty bucks a month, and Colorado only had thirty to spare or something. <laughs> right, exactly. It was just it was this tension, and it, it feels so much relieved that that it's not about that anymore. But but you're right. Now you have to do something about it. Are they are they willing to look at Baron? I mean, Baron's gonna be young. He's still night. He could be 19 years old. 
when the season starts? Are they really going to think about him as an option? I mean, here, here was a guy that a lot of people weren't even sure sh- should play in the queue next year or not. And it, it was, he had a good AHL audition, but it still was only nine games. I just, I don't know if they take him that seriously as an option, but. I mean, obviously he'd have to have a really good training camp and, you know, and hit it off with, you know, the staff and the other players and whatnot. And um, I, I mean, again, uh, I don't think it's very likely at all that he would start the season with the opportunity to, to play in the NHL. But it, I mean, I think what we're looking at is if he has a, a pretty good AHL start that, you know, around Christmas time, um, they might think about using him um, more. I mean, the, that'd be great. NHL. But, but we're getting into the cycle of like, Oh, we're just waiting for these call-ups and then it, then they're like calling up middle. I mean, God, I hope it's not Middleton again. Like at least use McEwen and the other dudes, at not least, Middleton. At least pick up somebody who does things other than sit on your goaltender. <laughs> but I mean, the the only yeah. the only hole is not on the back end. I mean, you're looking at a Colorado Avalanche whose top six includes Nazem Kadri, who needs a bounce back season badly. And Bad. on his right is Andre Burakovsky, and on his left is. Is, yeah. Are we saying Comfer? Is is it Comfer? Is it New Hook? Is it? Is it? <laughs> like it? You want this that is to... a hole that I don't think they can fix. That's yeah. the problem. The, um, no, they can't. They don't have the money. This where they no. have to it's either be one of these dudes. It, it's got to be somebody internal, or it's going to be Comfer. It, you need you need Alex Newhook to take that job, but you also want Alex Newhook playing center, kinda. Is this where you start the, looking at? The nice at... thing about playing with Kadri is Kadri isn't really a center all the time. Like Kadri is more like a wing in the, in the offensive zone because he's more of an in-front-of-the-net guy rather than a distributor. So I think that could work with Newhook because, you know, the way we've seen Newhook play in the NHL, he kind of works from uh, sort of the top of the circles area or, you know, around the boards. Um and you know, hopefully he'll be more comfortable moving into the center of the ice as as he gets more experience. But you know, that's generally what you see rookies do. Um, but but I think that might be a decent dynamic to prep Newhook to become a, a real center, just because of the way Kadri plays. And Kadri sucks defensively, so that would pretty much put it on Newhook to be the center in the defensive zone as well. So you want him to be a left winger like Gabe Landeskog is a left winger. Kind of, yeah. But he's gonna he's okay. gonna be more offensively bent. I probably would do that. Just put him with Kadri and Burkowski, and just hope for the best. <laughs> and then when the, when Rather the best than, doesn't yeah. happen, you know that spot's gonna go to JT Comfer, and we're all gonna claw our eyes out. Yeah. And of course, as yeah. soon as there's even a single injury, now you've got you've got a gaping hole someplace, and and that's where you start looking at maybe where a Sampo Ranta may come back, where a Martin Kaut may come back, or even a God forbid a Shane Bowers may come back. Don't or forget it, Wingerly. Oh, winger Wingerly, or is it, <laughs> or is it going to be the Matos, the Sakuras, the Sherwoods? That they gave Sakura. I mean, I think Sherwood's thousand. probably going to be pretty close to to one of the first call ups. Probably. Um, if they like him, they just Bednar forgets that he does get tired of him. Well, and they gave Sakura a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee, so 
he's definitely going to get a look. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's only this, he's only played like what eight games in the NHL. Five hundred K they gave that guy like for sure. I'm just saying. I mean, they're it. not getting. <laughs> they're not getting a battle-tested veteran there. We're not. Ta- we're not saying whether it's a good idea or not. the The argument is yeah. they've tipped their hand. They've shown what they're I'm going just, to I, do. I would think Mattel would probably be uh, probably ahead of Sakura as far as the call-ups. Um, and again, you know, I, I'm going to joke about Wingerly all season, but um, we don't know what he is. I mean, really, we know, so, we know he's a winger. It's right in his name. That's <laughs> right. Um, but we're, you know, sure, we're though. just going to have to see how these guys sort of slot in in camp. You know how it is in camp. You just you know, by about the third day, you're like, okay, this is what they're thinking with this guy, and this is what they're thinking with this guy. Um, so let's just say, let's hope they don't do camp bullshit this year. Camp let's just say that they've been waiting to have camp bullshit for a long time. They didn't have one last year. No, I mean, were they gonna say nobody can come because that would be bullshit? Oh. I mean, I would expect anything to not hook you up. They will do. <laughs> that that seems to be the case. Seems, seems to be how they operate. Is if you are a hardcore who wants to follow them closely, fuck you. Yeah, yeah basically. It's not my job. My job's not to help your fucking ass out. So, <laughs> and for for me personally, a name I wanted to throw in this list because he had a really intriguing um, developmental year last season is Jean Luc Foudy. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens with that guy in a in a in another year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way he plays more than nine games. Like, they definitely want that contract to slide. But, um, you know, I, I think he could be impressive enough in camp that they'd really want to play him those nine games. I I think they're going to look at Sampo first if they're looking for that sort of, yeah. like, youthful, somewhat YOLO. We should just be happy if Foodie can stay and play in the AHL, which there was one report – anyone hasn't heard there was one report from Dreger that said they're working on an agreement that anybody that played over 20 AHL games last year would be allowed to play this year just be able to stay in the AHL that only applies to like eight guys from the OHL so like none of the WHL guys hit 20 so don't have to worry about that so it's like foodie seven other guys hopefully that's what they arrive at so it would be nice because I'm not even sure if the junior kids could even come to camp. Why? Because of the border and all that bullshit. Oh, okay. like, it's not. Oh, yeah, true. They, well, they can come. They're... It's a matter of can they yeah. go back? Right. They're supposed to start September 1st in the OHL and do yeah, like their right. preseason. They're not going to want anybody to come back. So. I would say I wouldn't be surprised if like none of those guys could come, but we'll get to it. They didn't draft any CHL kids, so yeah, that's going to be our next really conversation. Is the, is the draft him? But as far as like NHL option, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, we say this every year, and we think they're going to use all these guys, and then they never do. Uh, and... We never think they will. We just hope they will. So I, I, I do think this year sets up to be more of a gong show than than we've seen in a long time. Well, they really, truly do need to use somebody, and they're not going to yeah, sign they, a whole lot They have lot obvious more guys. flaws in their lineup that they can't fix externally, so they're going to have to 
you know, really maximize what they've got. Some, some talent at some point. Yeah. And I hope Sampo comes back. Like, I don't think he's making the opening roster either. But if they were serious enough about him to play him in the second round of the playoffs, then they, I hope they are continue to be serious about him, where he truly is like a first call up kind of guy. And then we're not sitting there in December, like justifying, well, Mateo, he, he's the guy that can just sit around. We don't want Sampo to sit around. Oh, well. Mateo now just only played five minutes. That's not that big of a deal. Oh, look, he played 10 games already now. Well, it doesn't matter. These games are so important. We can't play any kids. Like, I just, I cannot go through another cycle of that. Please, people, just stop the excuses. Just don't give them excuses anymore. I can't handle it anymore. If I hear the big minutes or, you know, we don't. We don't want to call a guy up and have him sit around. Like, literally every person they call up plays at one point or another. Just no more excuses. They debuted Sampo Ranta and Alex Newhook in the second round of the playoffs in a year that they were a cup favorite. Yeah. So just, so you made a commitment to him. Just stay committed to him. That's fine. He, I think he does need some more AHL time, but you supplement that with NHL time. Maybe he can fight McDermott and knock his block off. I know. All those guys in the AHL need to fight. Every single one of them. I want Cout to get Gout to get into like three fights. They all have to. Cout fought count... Imama. There he has nothing left to prove. <laughs> they must Billington must have been elsewhere that day. But no, they need to see it right in front of their eyes. These guys need to fight. Every single one of them. So my chair has gotten really loud. You'll notice that. I haven't heard it. Well, Discord's no. probably doing a better job of cutting the sound out than the actual recording is going to do. So yeah. So for those of you who are not currently talking to me, my chair has gotten loud. Did you notice? Um, back back in the day, I used to bring in a dining room this wooden chair to to sit in for these shows because it wouldn't sit there and go pop and bang and crack and kaboom. But my my office chair that I use is at my computer desk is starting to kind of get there. I hate to see it. I hate to hear it. Um, so yeah, they're obviously the real answer to these questions is nobody knows and we're going to see, but we're not going to get to do that for like six or seven weeks. So it's way more fun to pretend like we know what they're doing and just kind of go on about it for a while. Is there any, any other, uh, NHL roster stories? that y'all want to spend time on before we talk about the draft. How about Nils Oman? What about him? He could come to camp and surprise people. I doubt it. Because <laughs> the European... You know, the KHL is already in preseason right now. What? Like, that is how soon Europe gets going. That's wild. Yeah. I think Kovalenko and Zhiradlyov have their first game tomorrow. You can't start hockey in August. What the? No. <laughs> yeah, but they finish in March. Shenanigans on that, too. So the Euros aren't coming. <laughs> I mean, we need to get the NHL out of June, but March? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. They all start September 1st. What a mess. So that's why the Euros don't come to camp, because they're already playing. They've already had camp. So, wait, Oscar's not going to come? I doubt it. 
Oscar's got to come. Oh, come on. Oscar's got to come. Let's talk about the NHL draft that the Avs just had. <laughs> um, they had four picks after the Ryan Graves trade. They had a first, a second from New Jersey, a third, and a seventh. With the first and number 28, they take Oscar Olesson, who is a Swedish right winger who's been playing at multiple levels, uh, most recently at HV71, and uh, seems to be the next coming of Andre Burakovsky. Yeah, well, I like the pick. First of all, it was something that I wanted them to do for a long time. Like take take European and a Swede. Like they've taken no Swedes too. And then apparently the plan is to leave him in Europe. He was taken in the OHL import in the international import draft, but uh, the OHL. I think it was Barry. I also think Barron's was taken by another team. He, I think he's Sarnia and Olison's Barry. But anyway, uh, so there are options there, but uh, he said that he's looking at staying in Sweden. The funny thing is, is that he played in the Allsvenskan, which is sort of like the second tier, but then his Swedish team got relegated. So they're playing in the Allsvenskan anyway. So even if he goes up to the higher level team he's still playing in the second level so we'll see how that works out there's been some people that are a little worried that they're going to try so hard to get back up to the first level they're just going to play all vets and that could become an issue for him but we'll see um as far as the player like this is a top six uh, upside talent guy like one of the best skaters in the draft good size uh, good shot. He's just has to get more consistent, put things a little bit together. I think he needs more strength too. I think that's some of his his issues that he's he has a big frame, but he's still a little bit slight. So anyway, I was happy with the pick. Uh, they finally did something I wanted them to do. The reactions to this pick have been very mixed. It has been interesting to see because I like it too because I I think you always, especially at the end of the first round, you're always drafting for upside. And there's lots of upside. And as it turns out, Oscar was in Michigan, of all places, when he got drafted um, at the World Juniors sort of preseason. Um, hmm. Yeah, the Summer Showcase minus Canada. So Yeah, Summer Showcase minus Canada, who usually hosts the Summer Showcase. Um, but, you know, it, that's nice, at least, that you know, right right off the bat, we were able to to see some highlights, and and even Jackie got to see some. You you actually watched full games, right? I did watch one game. Yeah, I think there's maybe at least four more in the archive. I haven't had a chance to see because I was actually on town while this joyousness was happening. But I did spend a day instead of at the pool watched uh, Olison versus Barons. Watched the whole game, so. I can kind of see what, you know, the, the pros and cons of his game are. But I think a lot of the cons were just that he's, he just doesn't have the strength to, like, win a battle. It's not that he doesn't engage in battles. He just doesn't win them. And those talking about that he doesn't have upside, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, if you, if you want to argue that he might not reach it, I, I think that's fair. But he has one of the highest upsides outside of, like, you know, the obvious top ten picks. So... So is is sort of that I don't know battle loss thing um, 
the main reason that that he was picked where he was rather than perhaps higher? Um, I'm he's kind of picked where he's pegged to be. You know, a lot. I wouldn't say I'd say it was kind of odd that a lot of the Swedes because a lot of times you see, especially let's say like pick twenty to thirty-two is a lot of Europeans, and for some reason there weren't that many this year. I think they were bad at the World Juniors. It didn't help their cause. It just there wasn't a lot of hype on these guys. I don't really think it was that he was like better or worse than the guys that generally fall in that range. It just they didn't really have any any reason to hype him up because he, he had a good for his team not being good he had a good world juniors he's really good at zone entries and things like that as a younger guy so that he can still go back this next year which would be his last world juniors and just go tear it up from 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 what i've read on his scouting reports it really seems like he he's one of the highest skilled players that were available in this draft um and and where he falls a little bit lower is yet there's the, the, the losing battle things, but also that he does have a tendency to kind of go phantom on you every once in a while. Um, that there, there will be whole games where it's just kind of like, Oscar, you there? Um, <laughs> so very much the early career Andre Burakovsky type where he is outstanding at zone entries, sometimes gets into, gets into trouble with the puck, has an excellent shot. You may not see him for a week. Which I think is okay, because it took Burakovsky all the way to the Avs, giving him a little bit of a nudge to take his game up a notch. Yep. Um, and then I also think that he played on a bunch of teams. He played at the junior level, the Osvinskan, the SHL, then also World Juniors. That also takes a toll on a guy. Like, can you ever really get comfortable things like that and uh he, he was also not an untouchably rancid pick right mark bergevin <laughs> if, if the as if the as who jumped on the, that grenade this show would have been very different and much shorter um in the second round Colorado with their pick that they got from new jersey at number 61 the avalanche take defender sean barons who's from the ushl u.s national team developmental program where did he play in the ushl oh the, the national program. team De- development program yeah. oh that is the team i don't know how the u.s system yeah. works yeah no they 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 have a team hmm. they, they play all the city-based teams yeah they play it's funny because They'll play some colleges. Like when you're looking at the stats, sometimes you see USHL, then you see the other line. It's they separate out USHL, but then the other is like the combined with everything. Because they play some college teams, which is funny to me. For the college teams, they're all exhibitions. So anything that those players score doesn't count, but yet it counts for the program and their aggregate stats and then they also have like some international tournaments like the five nations and and then they count all that as in all these stats so when you hear you heard like cole caulfield scored 70 goals like they're counting like almost every single thing that he participated in and and she gone <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, they do count all those stats. Um, the <clears throat> I really like Barons a lot um, from what I've seen so far. Um, he's not. I, I, I think one good comment I heard if he was, and it might have been. I think it was during the Avs draft show. Um, I think Klippenstein said that if he was 6'2", he would have been top 10 pick. That was definitely uh, not where I wanted to die. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Welcome back. But he, you know, you, you look at Baron's style, um, he's a really good puck mover. Um it's interesting, like, you think a guy his size is going to be sort of, you know, very offensively oriented and, you know, not not good on defense, not a hit or anything. Like, he will select people. And that's something he needs to sort of work on while he's at Denver University or University of Denver. Um, is, oh, so is this learning is Mike Chambers' favorite to... pick in the world, then. He's going to Denver. Correct. It's funny uh, that Chambers had an article about like the DU kids. You know, the Abs are interested in the DU kids and didn't name him. <laughs> um, but what he's going to have to learn is is when to to sort of go for the hit and when not to when you're playing against older guys because it, it's it looks like it's something he's probably been able to get away with um, in his junior career. Um, but when you're five ten and you're you're gonna try to hit a, a six three NHL forward, um, that that might not turn out so well all the time. Yeah, you're um, gonna get embarrassed. Yeah, you might be sitting on your ass watching the guy go to go to the net with the puck. But um, you know, the, I, I, I'm gonna I, I I don't know how I'm gonna watch DU games. It's not that easy. You know, I I don't get altitude much like most of Colorado. So um, I don't get to see DU games, but um, you know, I, I think he's going to be fun to watch. I, I think he's going to be someone the coaching staff's going to like a lot at DU, and, and he's going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I was pretty happy with this pick. Like, um, well, first of all, we weren't expecting to have a second, and then it was so nice they did something good with it. Like, adding him does make the prospect pool look a lot better. It's just yeah. crazy how even just one pick rounds it out. And they did a good job with the first. I guess we'll get to the other two. But, um, uh, like, I remember watching him on the national team. I was more impressed with him than Luke Hughes. Like, I thought he was just more dynamic. He had the puck more. He was trying to make things happen more. Like, Hughes was definitely more polished. You could, you could see where his game is closer to maybe the pro game. I just thought Barron's had so much going for him. Like he's, he loves to rush the puck. He hold on to it. Just everything that Earl described. So, and then we need a let, we needed a left-handed defenseman in the system, even though you can't really foresee like, where is he going to play? But you never know, like Taze isn't going to be here forever. You always need guys in the system and they were desperate for a left-hander. So um, I watched him in that showcase too. I thought he did a really good job. I think at times they just stopped using him because I think they knew that he's one of the the better guys. I think he'll be on the world junior team as well, so that'll be fun. But we'll see. They do have a lot of options, so I don't I don't see how you could leave him off the team at this point. And I guess I'll have to go to DU games. I really don't like DU. <laughs> they play a terrible brand of hockey, but. It would be it would be kind of neat, especially having a 
a, like a high-end prospect here. And I really don't know why he fell. Maybe it was the size thing. I hate the whole, like, if he was 6'2 thing. It's You could say that about everyone. Well, if only he could skate. Well, if only he had hands. Well, if only he could shoot the puck. It's just if only he was different, then he'd be a different player. But Right, and it's it's like they assume he's going to be 5'10 for the rest of his life or whatever he is. He's he's um, a fine size. Like he's he's not large. I mean, he could actually grow too. And like, if he ends up being five eleven and one ninety five, I think that's yeah. You know, that's he's not tiny though, and I I don't think size is a concern. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, but who better to have to look up to than Sam? So yeah, um, I'll try to see him live. It'd be kind of cool. So I'm I was really happy with the first two picks. You, you especially want to see them hit on adding that kind of caliber of a player into your prospect pool. The Avs seem to do pretty good when they stay within sort of a normal box. And that's where they find guys like Foodie and Sampo. And they even took a little bit of a chance on Makar and stuff like that. Like they're... They're not necessarily following just the conservative consensus. They're moving around within it, but that's when they seem to find guys. When they think that they have uncovered a gem that everyone else has missed, that's when they get a little maybe overthink things. (laughs) So let's move on to the third round. Uh, You're at the end of the top 100 picks in in a year where scouting was extraordinarily difficult. And so what do you do? Number 92? You take Andre Bielski, who is a center from USHL Dubuque, a double overager, so he is 20, and uh, originally from Kazakhstan, so that's neat. Um, Yeah, that is neat. I like that part. I think that is really neat. And Actually, this is fourth time through the draft. This was the fourth and final time through the draft, which... um, you watch him and you can definitely see like he, ha- he has the skating talent. Like there's an interest to him. I could see why scouts are looking at all kinds of players all the time, saw something he was like, that's interesting. But boy, the abs being able to take a, a very different type of kid and player and get him to the finish line requires a lot of work, patience, dedication that I'm a little skeptical of. Yeah, he's going to the University of Vermont. Um, I, I would assume it's at least for three years, um, and he's going to be around twenty-four at that point. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what to think. And luckily, he's in hockey, East, so I'll probably be able to watch him a bunch this year. Um, just the little I've seen of him so far, it looked like a guy that was 21 playing against kids. Um, in, in certain cases, he's definitely interesting. He definitely goes to the net. He's got some good speed skates well and all that, but I, I need to see him against sort of peer group players before getting a good picture on him. Yeah. Like you'd say you'd feel a little bit better if they took him later in the draft. Well, they didn't have those picks. Nope. <laughs> so they it was the end of the third. You can't really be mad at it. It's just such a contrast after they really hit the first two out of the park, I think. With getting value, upside, everything. And and this guy's a project. And, and that's okay. I just don't think the Avs know how to 
do anything with projects, but we'll see. At least he is moving on to NCAA, and that'll be a big step for him. And then finally, in the seventh round, number 220, because Colorado didn't have a fourth or a fifth or a sixth, um, we end up with Taylor McCarr, center from the AJHL Brooks Bandits. And all that seems to be known about this player is that he has a very famous brother who plays for the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, Which I see. hate. I, I mean, I don't think it's <laughs> fair to the kid. I mean, if his name was Taylor Smith or something like that, um, sort of how would we feel about this pick? Um, but he wouldn't you know, be I, picked. <laughs> nope. I mean, he's a double overager. He's 20 years old. Um, he's going to UMass. So, again, we're going to have a long time of, um, you know, good amateur plays. going to be playing under Greg Carvel. Uh, good competition in hockey east and whatnot so you know this this is another pick like bialski that you're you're kind of looking sort of how are we going to feel about this guy in three years but he's big he skates decently you know would probably you know isn't going to remind you a lot of of our friend kale but he does have um, some of the same mannerisms and it's so weird (laughs) are his cheeks the same (laughs) no does he have those same rosy red cheeks (laughs) No, he doesn't quite look like it, but I mean, on the ice, like his salt, like his sellies are the same. It, just some of the stuff, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it's just like kale. Jeez, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I'm going to treat him like, I mean, come on, all the other nepotism kids I've taken seriously as, okay, this is, this is a real pick here. What are we going to do? But he was eligible for the 2019 draft. Like, if you want to make the argument of, well, they just liked him on his own merits, yeah, then they would have taken him then. But he's <laughs> he he is what they're looking for, like a real rugged. He's like a gritty type forward. He's definitely not like Kale. It's a completely different type of player. I think Kale compared him to Kachuk or something. It's definitely a little optimistic there on the skill level, but. Yeah. Like you said, UMass <laughs> is a good is a good program and we'll see. It would be funny if they do end up like signing him and he has to go in the system. And maybe you have to, you know, not treat him like all the other guys, see how that goes. Kale's gonna be like, What the yeah. hell's going on? <laughs> I, I I guess the big dangerous. the question I wanted to ask you is like is he as far as nepotism picks go, is he Ryder Ralston? I mean, are we going to cringe that badly when we watch him? Or, you know, is there something there that we can work with? I think there is, sure. Um, that's, yeah, that's hard to say. I don't know. Maybe a little bit better than Ralston. I, he does have certain attributes. Bar, I, I think he does. Know. <laughs> he does have a certain game. Like I said, he's, if they're looking for a type of rugged, grittier forward, and then you hope just the gene pool, maybe there is a little bit more talent upside there that we haven't seen yet. He is going to a good program. You know, Carvel's going to treat him well. So you could do worse at 220, but it's it was certainly like a, let's just <laughs> throw Kale a bone in it. And it was funny, I guess it, he was so excited about it. It was like, oh, no, not the 54 million. <laughs> the, 
my brother was drafted at 220 in the draft by the, my team. But yeah, I, I almost want to say, like, you, you kind of want to look at him as maybe a Sam Henley um, that can skate better, hopefully. Um, I don't think he's quite that big, but. Oh, no. I mean, maybe he's a little bit closer but he's, to Steinberg. He's pretty big, though. Like, he might be kind of closer to Steinberg. If you're looking for redeeming in him, is that he is also that kind of physical, rugged forward. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll watch him. I actually do have archive of all the USHL stuff, so I do want to watch a little bit of um both of both of our guys. Well, all of them, but in particular Makar and I feel like I don't know how to say his name yet, Bulowski. <laughs> I'll get it down one of these days. I mean so. unless there's something weird about it, it doesn't look difficult, but Yalski? Yeah, Bialski. I just don't think I'd said it out loud yet. Yeah. So, um... That's that's happened to me on this show so many times. Like, oh, this name's easy. And then, oh, I've never actually made those sounds before. Oh, no. Oh, that's me with a lot of NHL <laughs> players. Like who, like, who the hell am I talking to that I'm talking about so-and-so? Like, nobody. I don't talk about the <laughs> NHL in my real life. So, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's let's discuss this player out loud I think now. once we con- conquered Zhiravlev, I've, I've done pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, you have to type it a bunch too, but <laughs> overall for only having four picks, I think they did all right. I'd maybe give them like a B, B minus. It was nice having yeah. first or second. We might <sighs> that's not gonna be next year. And I guess people always say, Well, they can just get more picks. I don't know how, but sure. Trade cadre. <laughs> Comfort. <laughs> sure, trade Comfort for a second, whatever. If you can get a second for Comfer, and you don't... Do it. I don't know what to say. I don't trade him for anything. Then you have 3.5 million bucks, and then you can get a real forward. I don't know. And then you could have kept Brandon Sod. Right. It just... Like, I get the money's tight. It's just frustrating that they just kind of chose nothing. And They always choose nothing, though. I know, and there's always these hopes and dreams about the deadline and free agency. We're going to get all these guys. You know, Sackick's going to win another big trade. It's like, not when you don't have assets. You're not. And, and you know what they and, do when they go to the trade deadline? Is they pick up Carl Soderberg and Patrick Nemeth. Well, it's better than trading another first. So maybe that's off the table now because the damn first is already gone. Nope, they have it first the next two years. Yeah, they have two more. <laughs> go there. Plenty more where that came from. I mean, yeah, I'm a little sad they don't have a first. Like, I love the draft. And I'm going to follow it anyway because I think it's interesting outside of what the Avs do. But still, like, that's, that's a lot the first, of my... first that Joe's traded, too. Right. It's just got so damn desperate. It's just... Yeah, you made it this far without having to do it. And you just got so desperate just sucks just don't make a habit of it and maybe we'll be okay yeah you know i i mean i'm not even gonna watch the draft if the abs don't have a pick in it uh i barely watched the draft this year i i had it on while i was doing i don't know what else i was doing something else um but i wasn't paying any attention to it until it came to like 25 and then the second day of the draft that is not for me i I wasn't even home then 
They actually drafted Barons while I was on. Well, actually drafted Barons and Bialski while I was on an airplane. Well, you now you're like a real reporter. <laughs> True. Doing stuff while you're on a plane. I lost my internet before they drafted Barons. That stinks. I know. I was probably asleep. My phone is a hotspot, and I couldn't do video. <laughs> At least it got me entertained. Is long flight. Yeah. <laughs> I was entertained. I was almost definitely asleep when they made most of their picks. Not Makar. I was definitely up by then because the second round just drags. Or the second day just drags. Yeah, hopefully it's back in an arena and it will go faster. Alright, y'all. I think we've covered pretty much everything that's happened to the Colorado Avalanche. Um, There is a laundry list of things around the NHL that we just don't have time to even think about getting to. Um, so all, all it's this... It's just so much bizarreness. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's odd. It's Anyone that's an RFA that needs a contract, they're just getting moved for second round picks. <clears throat> Guys that are overpaid but have a contract, they, they're moving for multiple pieces. It's just weird. You have Florigo for nothing... Then he decides he's going to play in Chicago. It's like, I maybe would have preferred that to what we decided on. Um, just a lot of stuff. I wish we were in on Sam Reinhardt or Butch Nevich or like, these are good players that Davs definitely could have made a trade for and fit in. But, um, you know, the Seth Jones thing was just crazy. To pay all that for him and pay him that money is... That's how you kill your franchise. I know the Blackhawks need to do it because they haven't had a real defenseman in such a long time, but it's just huge, huge risk. It's hard to kill a franchise that currently isn't alive. (laughs) But 9.5 times 8 to Seth Jones... That's a chunk of money. And I obviously the Blackhawks are one of those teams for whom the cap is not real because they can do things like trade Duncan Keith to the Oilers and actually come out ahead. Or Seabrook. <laughs> yeah, they traded Seabrook LTIR. It's, it's kind of that stuff that I wish the Avs were just... They're not creative. They they have made some good deals. Like obviously, the Taze deal was great. It's just they don't go out looking to be creative it just kind of has to fall into their lap and i don't know i i, I mean i think it's more them their their player personnel moves are completely driven by needs they don't sit around and say like hey i wonder what's out there we could get for you know this second round pick two years from now or things like that um and I think Jackie, you've been making this point a lot over the past week or so. Is they're completely phobic about signing anyone past when max contract ends. So, and I'm not sure that's the entire reason, um, but it just well, seems they've, like they've always hated term, and it, it's like this year they're giving none of it out. Which I'm not saying, hey, please go out and find a Calvert and sign him for four years. Like that's when it's a good <laughs> thing that you refuse to offer these guys term or right. even a Don Scoy. Like I don't I don't need them to go go out and get a guy like him and sign him for four years. So in that way it's helping them, but they're also staying away from 
deals that could make them better. Like, they should have so been in on Sam Reinhardt. That'd be, like, the perfect compliment to... I mean, maybe they're just using this year as a step back. Like, you know, we've all said that their, their team from last season is always going to be their deepest team. <clears throat> I don't at least as so, far as experience because they get paid dearly for the goalie that might only last for one year so so basically your the other parts of your roster are worse but then you paid the premium so that you could have no worse or possibly even better goaltending yeah but i mean they you know i mean their whole mentality is that the stars drive everything and and i agree with that to a point um, but I, I think this could be a good learning experience for them because they're really going into this season without a lot of depth um, for with what they, they consider actually... quality depth, which I, you know, I, I, I kind of disagree on a lot of that. But um, if, if this goes well, the, the young guys, I mean, and they if this goes well it? and they use younger. Yeah, if they actually use the younger players and it works out. Um, th- this could be what we've been waiting for, and I don't think I don't think you should use all young guys. I think that would be terrible. Like if you know if they didn't sign Helm and trade for Maltsev and and yada yada yada, and they were you know they were putting like Ranta and and Kout in there, let's say. I mean, I think that's just not enough experience in your bottom six. But um, if they're able to get through this season without spending a lot on depth. And they're able to have a little more freedom to try things, which they don't seem like they they like to do. Um, maybe this teaches some teaches them some things about player personnel moves that that will help them down the road. I just, yeah, I I hope so. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it seems like we're waiting for it every single year, but it does really feel like this year they have backed themselves into that corner yeah. where. You literally are either playing AHLers or kids, so make your choice because there's really nobody left. And you know the Mac thing's weird because that's when EJ's contract runs out. And I know it's way too easy to say, "Hey, just take that six million off from twelve point three and call it good," but from a budgeting <laughs> standpoint, like it's pretty easy to line item that one over, and then you're you're not in trouble. Like. They only have about 10 guys signed after the next season, which does sound great. You know, we all appreciate they don't have Albatross contract. All the guys signed. Except for Landy. (laughs) He's fine now. (laughs) We'll cross that bridge. But it it is all guys that you want to have signed. McCarr and Sam and Taze and Miko. And that's great. But I don't think it's necessarily great that they're going to have nobody else signed going into next offseason. Like, flexibility is nice, but they're looking at, like, you almost need to build another team. And well, I mean, I, I think if we've seen anything this offseason is that everything is driven by lack of cap space. And, you know, while the Avs aren't in go. a great spot, I mean, they are right up against the cap with a team that's, you know, not not as great as it was. They do have that flexibility, which a lot of teams don't. I don't think they're going to go out and then become big free agent spenders no. next year. They're even closer to the McKinnon contract. Like if you look at like they had to trade for Kadri, they had to trade for Burakovsky. You know, Nuke was like I mean, a total they... miracle. Like you're you're not just going to find these guys again. You you either have to pay the UFA tax, which they don't want to do, and I'm not necessarily pounding the table for that, but that's why I wish they could have been on like a Reinhardt or some of these others. They need to make more trades like that to backfill some of these players that they don't want to pay UFA price and term to get. 
So one and name now they're going to have like you, 10, 10 players left. Yeah. One name that you mentioned in there that we should mention with more attention is Matt Calvert, um, because it was announced over the last week that he is retiring from the NHL. I don't think it's a big surprise um, due to injuries. Just um, I think it was some kind of back procedure that the doctor said, well, you better not continue playing competitive hockey after this. And so he's going to. Yeah. He's going to have a lumbar disc um, fusion. Yeah. So he's going to so. listen to that. And uh, I don't know what's up, what's next for Matt Calvert, but uh, seemed like a, you know, a great dude and, and a well-loved member of the avalanche locker room. So nothing but the best for him. It's just yeah, funny that a guy can it. have like career ending back surgery and the abs are still like, I don't know. He's just, not not available he's just not gonna play right now you know it's like what the crap day to day like the, like the retirement thing i get that's Cal- that's calvert's news to share if he wishes or not and his decision but it's just like if someone's out for the year just just stop seriously just say it already <laughs> no um <laughs> I, i've said it for a while but i i think matt calvert would make a great coach, um, either a development coach or an AHL coach, um, you know, something in the organization. If that's something that, that once he re- recovers from surgery and, you know, gets back up and around and skating, if that's something he'd like to do, um, I, I hope that's something that the Avs would consider as far as hiring him in the organization. Cause you know, as much as I, you know, I wasn't really a fan of him on the ice, um, you know he is a good dude in the locker room, and he is a a smart hockey player, and he he does run camps in the summertime and whatnot. So he he's worked with young players a lot. So I mean, I I do think there's stuff he could share with the the organization that would be a benefit. There's there's also things that from like that he mentioned in his you know kind of story about retiring that are stories that he could definitely put toward you know helping other players develop because. He talked about coming to Colorado and seeing all the preparation that goes into Nathan McKinnon's game and how he himself kind of really had just kind of a reimagining of how he prepares and working with skills coaches and then how he came out and had the best year of his career right after that. So, right. Like he, he can take some of these guys who are, you know, strong players, not great players, who have, you know, maybe some inefficiencies in the way that they prepare for the season and say, look, I know this works. Let's give this a try. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's, the great thing about it is that he knows how the organization wants to do things already. It, it would be such a great synergy um, because he is a, a recent player. He'd be able to say to, you know, the Nick Henry's of the world, like, look, you know, it's like, if you do this off ice over the summer and, and, during the season, this is going to make you a better player. Um, you know, I, I just, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. We'll see what his plans are, but sure. He's somebody that you try to keep around if he wants to stay around. And, and among all the players on the abs lineup, he has seemed to be one of the most likely to give a real answer to a question in an interview that actually has some thought behind it and isn't, you know, here's what the media has told me are good phrases to repeat over and over. Um, so that that has made me think, I mean, maybe he's someone who has a future in broadcasting as well. He's someone who seems to 
think about what he's talking about. Um, if he wants to look at that angle and maybe look for like a Rycroft kind of job, then maybe that could be a future for him too. Maybe he doesn't want anything to do with pro hockey anymore. We have no idea. I do wonder if he wants to go home like Manitoba, I think. Uh... Yeah. I mean, I could I... definitely see him being heavily involved with junior hockey as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be more directly involved with the youth there. But yeah, we'll see. I guess it, it's nice to just know definitively what's going on with him. With anybody. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah, just, just too bad that has to be because he's having a career-ending lumbar fusion. Yeah, uh... I, I definitely not saying I uh, wish was hoping for that news. Yeah, that that's an oof and uh, <clears throat> comes with some chronic downsides. So best of luck to Matt Calvert. So now that we've mentioned Matt Calvert retiring, I think that's actually the end of the list of things that happened to the Avs in the last couple of weeks. I, that one slipped all of our minds somehow, probably because Colorado did not give it any fanfare. It came out through well, like Blue Jacket sources. That's true. We didn't even interview with anybody from the Avs. Just a little weird, but um, you know, I didn't want him to resign. I I think his game was dropping off. You know, maybe. Nope. Maybe that uh, the back was giving him trouble while I was playing it was probably true, um, but it just a guy that plays his style too. It's it's really hard to keep up that kind of motor and physicality. So I yeah. think it was time. It's got a shelf life. Yeah. All right. So what's our next date for things to happen? Well, today is the arbitration filing day. The Avs only have one player eligible left, which is Gilbert. I thought that was tomorrow. So it's, it's today. They might not necessarily announce all the PA announces them. I don't know. They might not announce it today. But anyway, um, it's going to be a short off season. Like it is now August, which is usually the month of no hockey. But it's going to come fast and furious. There still might be a few signings here or there the abs are pretty much done you know getting jost out of the way was, was really the last real signing and and we'll see if they somehow managed to find that sixth defenseman um you know just mid-september i think when the camp's gonna start i hope they at least let me attend officially <laughs> i will find a way to attend unofficially if need be don't tell them that <laughs> I'm not telling you how. I'm just telling you what's up. And um, you know, do as far as just do we expect anything? Um, maybe a little bit more clarity on guys like what Booty's able to do. Maybe if a Lousing can come to camp or not. You know, little things like that. There's always seems to be some sort of news, but it'll be. It's always fun by like mid-August. The guys start trickling back and skating at family sports center you know maybe that might be worth checking out at some point yeah, um, i'm gonna tell you right now I, I do not believe that story about the chl to ahl thing um because it comes too close to making sense and and those organizations never do anything that makes any sense oh you mean the foodie <laughs> thing is that what you're talking about yeah that's not gonna happen it makes too much sense 
The only reason I, I have hope for it is that it's only eight guys. Um, and I, I think if you're the teams, you can make a case to the CHL teams that hold their rights. You're like, look, this is this is going to be a step back for this guy. He's not going to be happy playing for your team. Um, you know, once he's been basically a pro for a season. Well, it's also um, like about consistency too. Right. Like, I don't like, think it's like detrimental if Foodie plays in the OHL, but it's just like, what is he going to learn there? Yeah, consistency helps these guys. Like he's already familiar with the team, the city, living on his own, you know, et cetera. So, you know, I don't know why they actually, like Steph said, why why they actually would do this. I always felt like some agent like Alan Walsh would have to be behind it, really, like pounding the table. Like one of those guys' agents. Maybe it's Perfetti's agent because he's the the 10th overall that's saying, like, look, this, this just isn't going to happen. And then you kind of group those guys together and said, all right, 20 games is at least half a season. But we'll see. It's impossible to get developmental guys into the AHL from Canada. And uh, it's just it's it's just always one of those kind of roadblocks in development where a guy's like, okay, well, I'm I'm really strong in junior, and I might they don't think my game is ready for the NHL, so I'm screwed. Yeah, it would be it would be putting Foodie in a holding pattern for a year. <clears throat> um, I just I, I I would just hate to see it because it it really does seem like he learned a lot from coach Cronin and the staff down in, in Loveland. Um, well, the thing and, about and camp it, too, like you, you would hope this next step is NHL camp. See what, see what we could do next to NHL players and, you know, go from there. Yeah. So that's that then I guess mid September. Um, so it's going to be at least six or seven weeks. Um, definitely a, a good time to spend doing non-hockey related things. Hopefully this isn't the only thing that you do. Um, if it is, there's non-NHL things and th- those are definitely worth your time as well. If you're a hockey only kind of person, um, otherwise big questions for the team, big changes coming. Um, yeah, have a, have a great cursed month of August, I guess y'all. I hate August. Well, it's okay. Well, you can find hockey things if you want to, but or some like great the, tennis. Like the Holinka's gonna be next week, and the Euro stuff starts. I don't know. It depends how desperate you are, but we probably should talk about doing like our prospect rank pod. That should be like next on our agenda. So for 2A coming up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was directing that at Earl, basically. <laughs> but but yeah, other otherwise, this is a... I'm ready. One million degree month that I would like to just press fast forward on every single year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's me pressing the outro button. But if I was ever curious, I don't know, something comes up some random day, I can just come into this server and...
type it in. The bot's not hosted anywhere, so I have to actually turn it on. Oh, okay. Which involves a little bit more than you would think, honestly. Oh, oh no, that's fine. I mean, I could probably in the time that it would take for you to turn it on, I could just go to Cap Friendly. Definitely, because I have to open, I have to first remember where the hell I saved it, and then open that folder and open a git bash in that folder and do node dot in the git bash, and that logs it in. You lost me. That, that's, <laughs> that was kind of the point. 